Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. I'm your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I have here with me, Mr. Martin Willis. Hello, Mr. Martin. Hello. Hello, everyone. Good so I be. like that little countdown thing. Of course, you and I use StreamYard and the little count because and I've been practicing like watching the video and I start it like at 20 seconds and yeah. then I'll start the broadcast and see how long it takes almost like five to 10 seconds for YouTube to catch up. So that's helpful. That's why I use it, people. If you're wondering uh, why, when you see that, it's so like, you know, because like when you push go live and you might have remembered, and I don't know about you, Martin, if you do this, you know, you're sitting there waiting. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I go live on KGRA radio, I uh, had to change it. So I, I tell Bill to count me down. It says, you know, when you go three, I'm going, when you say three, I'm going live. So it takes that, you know, extra seconds and it actually, the timing works out really good. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like doing this. It, it works pretty well. So uh, otherwise, the other news I have as far as the mechanics of the show is I'm using this kind of crappy, like, uh, camera I got at, uh, on Amazon, see, look how like fisheye it is. Yeah, see that cabinet behind I like me. That. So wonder you don't and have like bulging weird. Eye. Yeah, I know. Um, but you how can many do this. cameras do you have? You have like so many cameras. Every time I talk to you, it's on a different. I camera. know. I do that, have. Is that an addiction? Well, no. Normally, there's there's. I've got two cameras I usually use, and this is I do one for recordings, and then this I have another one, but I left it at home for. Uh, webcam it's Which an home? awesome one the logitech yeah, yeah. in california open at the open minds headquarters ah. so i'm at ufo congress headquarters that's why i'm ufo congress up i've got the hat and i've got the shirt because oh, yeah. if i don't what if do i, I don't i yeah. the boss will beat me <laughs> I, I i don't doubt i don't doubt yeah i'm looking have, over there at my hat that i got at the last ufo congress Oh, little, you are little alien. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I would be rude if I got up to get it now. But you know what? What? To, and I, maybe I, I need a little color there. There we go. Yeah. So welcome to the show, everybody. Um, good to see everybody here. It's always fun to do this live. And of course, uh, we've got some fun stuff going on, especially the Congress. So I'm wearing the hat and everything because, in fact, I've got to apologize to all of my subscribers and everything. I don't know. If well, you can tell me if I should apologize, Martin. Um, Absolutely because not. Yeah. The next week is the Congress. So yeah. I always get, when I get close to the Congress, usually I'm doing so much stuff. I have very little time to do my regular open mind stuff. So people who have been listening for years know that, that, yeah. you know, open minds goes dark for sometimes up to a month 
or a couple of weeks during this period of time. Yeah. So I haven't been doing that. I've been able to get out Rojas reports, get out lots of content. Um, in fact, ooh, I, there's something I'm going to get up probably by the time the podcast listeners hear this. I'll have a new article by Diana Pasolka about Ryan Sprague's latest book. So I'll have a piece up on Open Minds. She's the guest author. First time she'll be uh, on Open Minds. So I'm happy about that. Very excited about that. In fact, I love guest posts. So if you wanted to post an article, as long as you write it journalistic, you got to be credible and, you know, uh, your opinion's great, but maybe leave that for your blog. Um, write an article if you want and I'll post it. So uh, that's what I got going on. Otherwise, I've posted. Oh, so yeah, next week I'll probably be dark, but just for a week, I won't be able to really do any open minds because I'm going to be 100% at the conference. But it's a, there's a very simple solution. If you want more of uh, content uh, from me, I'm going to be putting out a ton of it next week at the UFO Congress. So all you have to do is get a ticket for the Congress and you'll be able to hang out with me all week. And what's fun about it is you're hanging out like we are now on YouTube and Facebook with people commenting. We get a comment on the comment, answer questions people have. It's really interactive and fun. Martin will be there. He'll get in the mix. So, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Let me ask you this. Is it, is it, uh, it more work or less work? doing doing it this this way the way you're doing it um less it's overall less there's but there's more to figure out like you know we've been doing a physical sure. conference for a long time so the the nuts and bolts of it we've got down but it's a ton of physical work like a ton yeah. um this one is of course doesn't include the physical work so much but we've had to set up a studio in the house here um where people and and some of the cameras where we're going to be filming so i'm going to be standing up wearing a suit just like usual to greet the people and everything we have a little wow. studio where we're going to be doing um like one-on-one -on -one. so i think like travis walton will be here filming in the house oh wow that's um, cool Brian Bender from Political will probably be here filming at the house. Yeah, that's right. He's um, local. Yeah. Yep. And and our friend Stacy Wright and uh, and yep. Marianne Robb, the Buffon yep. director and the cop, they'll be here filming their part. And they're also so there's going to be this thing called UFO Chicks. So during the intermissions, Karen and Stacy and Marianne are going to be at the table here, and we're going to film them, and they'll be talking about. The, the conference, I'll be talking about, you know, what's coming up, what we just saw, they'll be goofing around, and it'll be a lot of fun. Wow. So you set up a little studio, like a Merv Griffin studio with chairs and everything? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a Merv Griffin. It's just kind yeah. of a glass table that they're sitting behind. And, of course, we've got to have our little aliens involved. Oh, yes. So if you've been watching Karen's videos at the UFO Congress YouTube or on the UFO Congress page, You'll see Karen has been doing some update videos that I've been filming, and uh, we've always got our little alien buddies with her. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, of course, you have to have your little flying saucer lamp thing or speaker. It's a speaker, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a lamp and a speaker, a Bluetooth speaker, and it levitates, so it uses anti-gravity. Yeah, anti-gravity. Yeah. That's awesome. Be flying so around lots of things before you know it. 
some weird questions. There are there's a question in the chat, but I I don't understand it. It says glass shard UFO weirdness that. from yeah. Russia. What does that mean? Uh, F top stuff. Seen it. Now they're showing this bit. Uh, so well, let me just say this. Um, the person that wrote that. Why don't you rewrite that just a little bit uh, clearer so we can we can uh, regurgitate that. If you would, please. Yeah, and I use this thing called uh, cryptic. Uh, Grammarly, this website Grammarly. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that a is that a tip, a tool? Yeah, that's a tool that'll fix your grammar for you if you, uh, you have problems with that. Nothing so wrong with my grammar. Okay, my so grandma. let's get into a little bit uh, of what's been going on, and I'm going to bring up uh, YouTube and. Just a little bit about, well, before we get into that, you have a little piece of news you want to share. Maybe we should talk oh, about that. Okay. Well, it kind of, I know you, I sent you the video and it kind of speaks for itself in the video. And I think the the takeaway is uh, from this, that this meteorologist in Michigan feels free to talk about the UFO subject now that the military and the Pentagon and everything that's come out over the, since 2017 he finally feels comfortable enough talking about it. And that's the only reason he's talking about it. It kind of shows it in the video. If you want to roll it there, buddy. Okay, let's roll the video. Roll the beautiful bean footage. Okay, here we go. Hopefully people should be able to hear it. Let us know if you can't hear it or something. Huh, what? I haven't started it yet. Oh. Confused myself. Here it goes. It's kind of quiet. Well, the night of March 8th, you can hit full screen. Many people in our area remember it was a cold and clear night when our newsroom yes, phones began ringing off the hook with reports of strange lights in the sky and in and around Ottawa. Then I can't control Meteorologist Will Haney joins us live now with an interesting follow up on that mysterious night. Hey, Will. Yeah, hey there, Kate. Behind me, you're looking at video we shot back in March 2019. On the 25-year anniversary, I interviewed Cindy Pravda in Grand Haven. You may even remember, she says on March 8, 1994, she saw four balls of light in the sky just behind her home. She says they were there for about 15 minutes, then completely vanished. Now, just recently, a now-retired National Weather Service meteorologist reached out to me. He says he was manning the radar that night. Now, Jack Bashong says he's more comfortable speaking about the events after the Department of Defense declassified a series of videos which the Pentagon says portray unidentified aerial phenomenon. That cold night in early March, he received a call from Ottawa County Dispatch. After fielding over 60 reports of strange lights in the sky, the dispatcher wanted to know if Bashong could see anything on weather radar. It turns out he could. He saw several objects moving in what he described as a geometric pattern. While I was watching it, it just stopped and started hovering for a while. And then it uh, shot up um, about uh, uh, 5,000 feet and 10,000 feet. I was getting it and then, and then just, just straight up. At this point, the, uh, um, the, uh, the police officer was saying that he was seeing the same thing with that same object. And, um, uh, and as I was trying to describe where the the objects were, um, you know, it, it was they they were just moved. There was just moving so fast, and 
and uh, and uh, two more started uh, coming into play there that uh, I really had little time to actually describe um, uh, where they were before they had moved and jumped again. Yeah, if you want to hear more of Bashong's accounts from that night, head on over to this story on the homepage of WWMT.com right now. There we break down a little more behind the radar observations that he made, and you can also read about how information the Navy declassified earlier this year about UFOs compares to this infamous night in West Michigan. Meteorologist Will Haney, News Channel 3. Well, cool stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was a cool story. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, that is really interesting, especially that they did get that corroboration. Uh, you know what else is kind of fun with that story, too, is that the, the young reporters. I used to be a broadcast major and uh, in college, and I actually worked in a, paper, uh, a TV studio uh, in Grand Junction, Colorado. And there's lots of young reporters, and it's kind of like, you know, you start at a small market, you move to a bigger one, bigger one, bigger one. And it's kind of neat because it's kind of this freedom that you have to to do uh, reports and stuff. And uh, I think, you know, what's fun about watching one like that is that guy did a great job, you know. Um, they did a really good job reporting and, and looking into all the, you know, what might be going on. I think that's that's a really cool, cool story. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. I know that's where Grand Junction is. Yeah. 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 Interesting. So uh, we have a couple of questions. So Phoenix MUFON's in the house who we were just talking about. In fact, I might be mentioning them a little bit. Um, Robert Farmer, who is a member of uh, YouTube, who so he'll definitely get a mention because he's awesome. He's a subscriber. So hit that join button if you want to be cool like Robert. But he says height 66, interesting case. That's a case in Australia, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, people at a high school seeing a UFO. That is a great case. Someone else had a question, though. Victor says, uh, I read we are expecting the first UAP task force report to the Senate in June of 2021. Is that what you guys hear or no? Thanks for everything that you're up to. I've heard different dates. I think officially they have 180 days, yeah. um, which kind of puts them out to March. But um, you know, we, we have heard recently from, uh, that the task force is official recently, uh, the UAP task force and, and mostly for the purpose of putting together this report. So it's certainly being worked on and hopefully, yeah, we'll see it in a year or so. Uh, ought to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I hope it's not, you know, I know that we're, we're going to, that, we're, we're going to be offered some of the information and it just, of course, you know what that's going to do. That's going to make everyone say, wonder what they're hiding. <laughs> wonder what they're yeah. not telling us. You know, it's too bad. It wasn't like a full transparency as long as it didn't, you know, um, violate any classified, you know, protocols or anything like that. Yeah. And that gets me into um, what I was going to talk about. Uh, some of the stuff I posted today or uh, this week. So let me share my YouTube page. And it relates to Arizona MUFON. So do you see that there's two videos there? Um, the John Alexander one on government bureaucracy 
and also one on Oumuamua. So um, in fact, actually, well, let me talk about John Alexander because it pertains to what we're talking about right now. Uh, the UAP task force, um, there's, a, there's a lot of nuances when it comes to government agencies and how they, what motivates them. And that is why uh, actually something like a year ago, when John Alexander spoke for the Phoenix MUFON, I asked if it was all right if I posted part of that article and I and they gave me permission, so or that presentation, they gave me permission, so I did. Um, I posted on a different channel of mine, but uh, I just posted it to the Open Minds TV channel as well, which you see right there. And that's a really important video because it gets into what might motivate them to report what they might report and as alexander you know put it in one of my fairly recent interviews they're going to be motivated by funding largely and, and congress does hold the purse string so that will motivate them to say something but the what is going to be related partially related to how it may or may not affect funding and the way he puts it is you know like does someone want to try to get a budget for a program and I think, you know, we have to be cognizant of we're hearing a lot about drones that uh, I think a lot of what this UAP task force is going to be doing is investigating the whole drone situation. And I think we're going to hear a lot about that rather than the truly anomalous cases like we want, although their initial report will hopefully include some anomalous cases. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, that's all part of it. Things that can't be explained is all part of this thing. Are you tapping your microphone? Uh, no, but I'll I'll stop what I was doing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like it's right below. I have a sticker stuck on my table, and I was trying to. I'm sorry about that. Oh, I'll no stop. problem. Yeah, I thought I heard something. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I think we should temper our expectations, but I think what will be important is for us to and this is kind of guy we've got to be focused on what our goals are and at least for me and sort of my interests i've been involved with different scientific investigations and i think that that's what we at least for for groups like the seu the scientific coalition for uap research that you know i uh, associate with um we really need to be focused on letting them know that we're interested in the true unidentified, the true unknowns. And we're interested in not just having those investigated, uh, which they say that they're doing, but that that will be classified. Uh, that's what Susan Go recently said. Uh, so we need to make sure that there's a public portion of that. And uh, supposedly, I've heard this and I haven't, and you can let me know if you know where this might come from. I need to to hunt it down, that NASA has said they wouldn't do uh, any UAP invest research unless it was completely transparent, which makes sense because wow. typically that's how science is done. Science done in secret is really difficult. In fact, you know, in my interviews with like Dr. Eric Davis, uh, who's worked on classified projects, the more secret your project is, the less scientists you can have involved. That's so right. the less actual science that can happen. Yeah. So when science works like SETI um, does, and I think that's going to be the model where all the information is so shared with everyone. And even the citizen scientists in the public can get involved with the research kind of like um, 
Tabby Star. It was people in the public who found Tabby Star, the mysterious star that yeah. dims strangely, you know, uh, that they think might have a Dyson Sphere type of thing uh, related to it. That was done by citizen scientists. So I think that's what we really need to be sure and advocate and be looking to push. Um, and yeah. even writing your representatives, writing your uh, senator, um, writing your, you know, all of your politicians that we want transparent investigation of the unidentified. Military can look at the potential foreign technology all they want. We're interested and we don't want them to forget that we're interested in the unidentified. Now, right now, um, I'm, I don't want to get into politics. We never do um, on this show. But Kamala Harris is on Rarely. that board. She's on that board. And I'm just wondering if she happens to get in as vice president, she will not be on that board. But she'll have some knowledge of this still, which I think is pretty interesting. She will have, uh, have been briefed. And she will also have, since it was a committee she was in, certainly some influence. Um, whether, but then again, this is the issue, and this is what I think that a lot of the UFO people are missing. They're they're talking about, oh, this is all about Roswell and and you know revealing Area Fifty One. No, it's not about that at all. If you look in what they're talking about, they're talking about threats. They're talking about foreign technology, and they're talking a lot about drones. Kamala Harris might be of the mindset that, you know, there's because of the UFO taboo, there's this kind of like Marco Rubio said recently, there's this blind spot we have towards uh, unidentified objects and we need to take them all seriously and investigate them all thoroughly. What does that mean to us? That means, oh, you know, maybe there's something visiting us. What does it mean to a politician or someone in the military? Maybe we're overlooking some technology that foreign adversaries have, and we can't do that. We have to be on alert and pay attention just in case. That could be Kamala's mindset. We don't know. Um, so it doesn't, yeah. even though she might be an advocate for the UAP task force, doesn't mean she's an advocate for alien hunting or truly yeah. looking at the anomalous stuff, which I hope they do. Certainly Harry Reid was an advocate of that. And that's the sort of um, thing that we need to foster and, and try to uh, express that that's what we want. We want to hear about the anomalous stuff. Yeah. I can imagine if that uh, 2006 O'Hare, you know, gate C-17 uh, incident happened now, or, know. you know, when that, that thing was uh, set in motion, um, you know, that would certainly be on the radar of them looking into it for sure. That is a great point. And, and for those who aren't familiar with that case, that was a case that happened. What was it? 2008, I believe. 2006. Um, six, where uh, over one of the United, or, yeah, it was United Airline gates. There was an object hovering. Uh, pilots saw it. People saw it on the ground. They said it looked like a saucer. It hovered for a period of time. Then it shot straight up in the sky, punching a hole in the cloud cover above that then just kind of slowly closed. So obviously something physical that had an effect. Um, but at first the FAA said there was nothing to it. Uh, then the Chicago Tribune jumped on this story that all of the witnesses that work for United were uh, anonymous. But uh, eventually the FAA and others had to admit 
after denying it at first, they had to admit to the Chicago Tribune that, okay, yeah, we did get these reports. Uh, the FAA got these reports, but we think it was just uh, anomalous, a, a weather phenomena of which, you know, that sounds, it doesn't yeah. fit. Like um, swamp so, gas blew a hole in the clouds. Yeah. So it was a big story at when it happened and then it slowly faded, but you're right. If a story like that happened with credible witnesses, like, like the pilots and everything, it would be a much bigger deal right now, even with everything else going on. Yeah. Now, who was it that, uh, now I'm not confusing uh, Kurt Russell and the Phoenix Lights, but there was someone else that actually saw that from a plane that came forward later. Did you hear that story? Someone was on a plane and well, saw that, that some noted person. No? Oh, you know more about that than I do. There's, I, if you're talking about who I think you're talking about, there's someone whose opinion you do not take very highly, <laughs> who claims they they did a meditation while they were in the air around Phoenix and they're responsible for the Phoenix lights. Uh, no, uh, no, it wasn't that. could have an ego big enough to think that they were responsible for one of the biggest UFO? I think you probably know who I'm talking about. Yeah, um, not dot, doc, uh, dot, no, right? That's the only one I can think of. Otherwise, otherwise yeah. yeah, Kurt Russell. Yeah, on the Phoenix lights, that was great, great story. Yeah, so uh, that's what's going on. Otherwise, I do want to share a different screen um, to show you something else that I did and um, this week. I like where this is such a cool tool that we use where we can just kind of oh, pop people. Yeah. Uh-oh, Dirk. People are in the chat. They saw something Dirk wrote. Two things that you're going to want to get here. Plugging the conference. Yet again, I got to plug it like crazy. First of all, because we need to try to break even on this thing. And second of all, it's because it's a lot of fun and it's cool. But uh, for the conference, there is a $40 off code right here for Open Minds specifically, OM40. So if you go register, use this code that you can get on openminds.tv and you get $40 off. But also, you'll notice some of the latest stuff that I have posted. One in particular, my Rojas report, astronomers and UFOs. Yeah. So some of you might have seen this lecture if you saw me. I think I've done it at AlienCon. I'm pretty sure I did it in Roswell. Um, I can't remember where else. But I've done this lecture a few times. Um, and I always update it. But... This lecture, I did it for the Rojas reports because I'm doing some of my lectures uh, for that as well. So you could go watch it there. But one of the things I referenced in there is, I'm going to go back to YouTube, is another video that I posted this week on YouTube. And it's another video courtesy of Phoenix MUFON. So right in the middle there, you see this nerdy looking guy. He's got to be an astronomer because he's a nerd, right? Nerds are awesome because they are often scientists and they're often very smart. Um, and so is this guy. This is um, Dr. Healy. He's an astronomer here in Mesa, Arizona. And he did a talk on Oumuamua, that uh, interstellar object, you know, from a couple years ago yeah. that came in and then went away and it was really mysterious. We didn't know what it was. Cigar well, shaped or, yeah. Well, they don't even know. And this is interesting. Here's one of the things that's mysterious that he talks about. 
because of the way that the sun affected it um, and other things that they were able to tell, uh, it seemed to be, at least their calculations showed, this thing is huge and thin, like paper yeah. thin. Oh, really? Which is, of course, very mysterious. What the hell could be like that? So he goes over some of what they found and and a lot of what they cannot figure out and why this is mysterious. So it's a great talk because if you want to know the ins and outs and everything about this thing from what, you know, the scientists know to the mysteries posed by the object, even this guy who can tell is skeptical with UFOs and stuff. He's like, we don't know what the heck this thing was. So um, it's a great lecture to get up to speed on Oumuamua. And why is it such a big deal and how does it tie in with astronomers and UFOs? Well, my lecture is about uh, essentially Seth Shostak telling me, oh, you know, astronomers, if there's something to UFOs, astronomers would care. Well, they do care. They're the ones who started up civilian UFO research. They're seeing UFOs. They've had seen UFOs throughout history. There, in fact, some of their UFO sightings inspired Project Blue Book to be, to start. All of this is in that video and that lecture that I do. So if you watch this lecture, especially before you're going to see Seth Shostak, you'll be able to like nail him. You'll be able to just make him look like a complete fool in front of everybody at the conference that you're at by just being like, here's the facts, dude. So the funny thing is, is I know Stanton Friedman has shared a lot of these facts with him and he just ignores them. He doesn't pay yeah. attention, which is very frustrating. But at yeah. the end, I get into how scientists themselves are suggesting some anomalous things could be alien. They're pulling uh, a total Giorgio Sukalos and saying, maybe it's aliens. So yeah. um, that's kind of a new world where when it comes to Tabby Star, like I mentioned earlier, or Oumuamua, it's actually the scientists who are suggesting, well, maybe it's aliens. And that's kind of a new realm, you know, where finally astronomers are starting to feel comfortable, you know, with the, the ET hypothesis, essentially. So that's why that video, how it plays into that lecture and why it's really important and why, yet again, we need to thank Phoenix Mufon. Phoenix Mufon, by the way, says nerds rock. I agree. Wow. Nerds forever. So I, I want to tell you something, but, you know, promise not to tell anyone. And uh, okay. that is uh, I was involved, a, a person of science that looks into this topic um, got in touch with me and wanted to do a debate with Seth Shostak. So I got a hold of Seth and I said, you know, here's this gentleman and his credentials and everything. And um, I, would you be interested in debating him on UFOs? This guy was gun ho to, to do it. And Seth said, uh, if it's going to be anything like my debate with Stanton Friedman, then no, I'm not interested at all. So I said, why? And he says, I, I was just treated unfairly. And I, I, I totally, you know, disagree. I mean, I don't know if you ever heard Stan talk about his debate with him. Most people said he won. Maybe he didn't. I mean, maybe that's what Seth didn't like. Because yeah, Seth that is really be. a wordsmith. He can really, he can talk his way out of about anything. Who? Shasta? Seth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know. I agree. He's really good. He's extremely articulate. Like Stanton, they're both articulate and yeah. witty, which is yeah, he's fun. he's very witty. 
Um, Shostak is a great lecturer. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate because um, it seems like he's not comfortable on even playing ground. Hmm. That's a good point. Good point. I know. And which kind of leads to how he, he just really doesn't want to take this all seriously is, is the impression he gives by not looking at this credible information. Well, you know, I think I, I may have mentioned this on your show before, but he said to when he when I was sort of semi debating him on the subject, he said that he needed a wing of. I said, what do you need for evidence to know something's happening? We have radar. We have, you know, there's trace uh, evidence and or whatever. What what would you need to feel comfortable that UFOs are, are really or whatever it is is visiting our planet? I don't know where they're from, but they're, I was careful not to say aliens and all that. And uh, he said, I, I would need a wing of the Smithsonian full of debris before I believe it. That's just what he said. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of frustrating because then, okay, let's apply this to what he does. Yeah, so Looking I asked him, what about black, black, dark energy and, you know, right. and dark matter? What did he say? Um, he said, oh, there's plenty of evidence for that, but he didn't go in, into it. And you, there is reactionary observational evidence of that. Yes, of course, but that's what astronomy is, you know, more or less observational. I know. Uh, yeah, that's frustrating. But I was going to say, you know, apply this to him. If he came out with a discovery, but people are like, oh, no, which they uh, will be. But that's if people a really are like, good oh, point. No. I wish I thought of that. Yeah. It's radio waves. You think these, these signals could be anything. In fact, I would go so far as to argue that his effort with listening to radio signals is a complete waste because it's kind of like the movie Contact. There, it's practically impossible to prove these signals they receive are from an extraterrestrial intelligence. It's not a physical sort of thing. It, it would be extreme, even if they got a message or something like in the movie Contact it would be really, really difficult to prove. Um, whereas physical material is not as difficult to prove. Um, unless you don't know where it comes from, it can still be cause problems. Like for instance, the Mars rock that supposedly, you know, yeah. that some scientists still believe shows signs of life. It's yeah. really difficult to, sh to prove it came from Mars or at least that life came from Mars. So, I mean, there's always nuances, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a really frustrating answer. And it's kind of saying, I don't want to engage in serious discussion about this topic. Uh, there's a comment that's pretty funny down there. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> Seth is waiting for some uh, Jim Bim's a funny dude. Bim Jim. Seth is waiting for some alien to snail mail him an eight track. That's hilarious. That's, yeah, that's evidence. And you know, when you look at the 60s, the debate when Frank Drake first kind of came out with all this stuff and was they were talking about SETI and sending or listening to radio signals from, from ET, uh, it was highly debated even back then whether or not it was worth it. And in fact, um, one of the articles I refer to and uh, it's this article I wrote about Tesla and Marconi, the guys who figured out radio, um, I have a quote from Einstein because Marconi and Tesla believe they were getting signals from aliens. Yeah. And Edison said, yeah, they probably are. And uh, 
And Einstein interestingly said, they got to be out there, but they're not going to send us radio. Radio's, you know, going to be outdated in a matter of time. They'd probably yeah. use lasers. They'd probably use light signals to signal us, not radio. Yeah. So, I mean, even back then, Einstein and, you know, is one uh, among others who were like, radio's technology that's not going to be around very long. I, that's definitely not the right way to listen. Well, you know, I like the term, it's better than doing nothing. Yeah. You know, um, they're, they're at least trying one aspect, one layer. Um, you know, I think within, you know, maybe 20 years, if we even need, you know, maybe we'll have proof by then, but they'll probably have other ways of detecting life on planets, you know, through atmospheres and atmosphere contents and chemicals and whatever. Um, you know, so SETI may be defunct for that type of situation. And I don't even know what the, the James Webb, what type of uh, capability that's going to have, but I know you it's going to have a lot. I went over that in my astronomy and UFOs lecture. And there's a video I played from NASA that is excellent. It's this really, really good video that reviews exactly what you're talking about, how uh, they look for planets um, and how they're able to look at the different frequencies and stuff to determine the atmosphere and the different, the nature of those planets. It's a great video. Really, really good video. Oh, I started watching. I haven't watched the whole thing. I'm going to go back to that. One, the argument yeah. I'm making, which is I use a NASA video, which makes this argument for me too, is that, you know, NASA is now an alien hunting group, you know, uh, it's more yeah. recently with the the space race back to the moon, which is more politically motivated and spurred on by the actions of China and Russia, you know, hinting that they're going to go to the moon and establish colonies. So we've got to beat them, right? That's what inspired all of that. But prior to that, and even now, a lot of their missions are looking for aliens. Spending sent like this recent Mars probe is has got. Um, finally, it's the first Mars probe to have equipment that can actually try to detect potential biological um, material on Mars. I mean, until now, like the uh, the the rovers up there could, with their camera, look at something kind of strange, but they couldn't really detect if something was biological or not. Um, you know, you think about how they should be able to. You think about this. Really, we've only known for sure that there are planets out there for less than for like 16 years i think it was 1994 or something like that that's that's a very short time that we've i mean the steps that we've taken okay so then we realize there by the wobble that there are planets out there and then we get the kepler up there and the kepler um i don't know how many thousand three thousand uh planets you know, and then with all the math getting involved, we realize how many planets there could be, and it's just endless. And now next, you know, the the steps, um, you know, within 20 years, like I say, we'll, we'll probably be able to detect, and maybe we are being detected, and maybe that's what's going on here and why we're visited. Who knows? I mean, I'm speculating, and I don't want to say that is happening, but it is a possibility that we they can certainly see that there's activity here. Uh, water is the the first thing. Got to make sure a planet has water. Doesn't have water or any signs of water, then the odds of intelligent life being there are very nil. So, as far as we know, 
Some people argue that. We look at the Goldilocks zone for potential habitability, which means the zone where water is in liquid form, where it's far enough away from its sun. But many people argue just because we're water-based life forms doesn't mean others will be. Um, that's why a mm. couple years ago, Tilton. when they when they found uh, these uh, microbes in a lake uh, that is, a, I think it was cyanide, the lake uh, in California, they that was significant because it could have been, and I think they're still investigating it, life that is not based off of water. It's based off of other elements. So that could not even, if that's not the case, if life can exist without water, that's even more probability that there's more life out there. So there's so much that we don't know, but you've got a great point that we don't know a whole lot. It reminds me though of science, again, nerds, and we're going to have a lot of nerds to segue into the conference. Um, but this is, you know, uh, I'm not just trying to segue into the conference. I'm also trying to talk to about some of the lectures that I'm really excited about with the conference. Um, let me bring this up. Because one of the guys is Kevin Knuth. Um, oh, I and I him. could be he's saying great. that right. Yeah. I know he's really good. Um, oh, no. Don't do that. No new post. I was ready to post something. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kevin, while you're looking, Kevin is one of these people that says, darn right I'm looking into it. I want to be on the ground floor when, you know, this whole thing is discovered that there's really something to it. So, you know, I love that attitude. Someone of science. Yeah, so Kevin's one of the speakers. Let's find him. There he is, Associate Professor of Physics at the Department of Physics at the University of Albany. Uh, so that's SUNY, New York. Um, and uh, and he, he talks about a lot of the science around, you know, this sort of stuff. Like you, if there's a civilization um, out there, what... Are, what can we infer about that civilization given the different types of technology they may or may not have been able to master? And it's really extremely interesting. And it's the type of science that should be done right now. You know, if we're confirming that, okay, there's potentially unidentified objects visiting us, what if they are from elsewhere? And if they are from elsewhere, what might uh, drive? What's the science behind that? And that's what's great about what he's talking about. So it's really fun. And that's what's fun a lot about a lot of these thinkers. Of course, Brian Bender, Politico, he's going to be talking more about um, what's the buzz on DC around the UFOs and stuff like that. But we do have several of the guys from Skinwalker also, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch television show. We're going to have a panel. Oh, yeah. So this is Dragon. He was a security guy. Um, I'll show him, you yeah. got more. David Marler is going to talk about UFO burn cases. Oh, yeah. Um, what I like about Marler is I'm skeptical that there have been phenomena that have actually burned people. But if Marler is doing a lecture on it, most like that means he found some really great evidence to yes. support what he's talking about. Yes, he has. Chad Lewis, have you ever had him on your show? No, I recognize him. I just can't remember if I've yeah, seen him been before. Yeah, he has been on a couple TV shows. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and so he's a paranormal kind of a researcher and author. He's going to be talking about UFOs. Chris Bledsoe um, recently kind of he's been. You know what's interesting? 
You probably heard of him a long time ago, I'm imagining. Oh, I, I, I interviewed him, you know, face-to-face. Uh, -face. Um, I don't know, maybe 10, no, uh, seven years ago. Yeah. Right. And after that, he kind of clammed up. He wasn't out there much. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you did to him. <laughs> I, you to want be. me to tell you what I did to him? <laughs> I don't know if I should say anything. Well, we'll talk about it off air. <laughs> but I put him on the spot. I put him on the hot seat. Yeah. Ah, yeah. He stopped doing interviews till recently. So this is really special that we have him there. Diana Posolka, she also doesn't necessarily do a whole lot of interviews. Um, so she'll be doing a talk and we'll actually get to interact with her. And actually her and Deep Prasad are kind of talking about similar type of things. And along the lines of what we're talking about, kind of a, an educated kind of academic look at the potentials for Deep is going to talk about how would we talk to aliens? And there is some science around that. People have been talking about that and SETI's been talking about that for a while. And I love those conversations. And then Diana Pasolka is going to talk about, well, how, how would we go about contacting them? What would it be like to start to communicate with them? So that's really interesting. Um, Gwen, she helps facilitate our experience or contact. She's a therapist. This is interesting. Have you heard of Kate Thorvalson? Oh. We found out about her first from Mark D'Antonio, but like she has this weird, she feels that she's an experiencer and she's got this weird thing where like metal objects will stick to her like she's a magnet. Wow, that is strange. And she relates that to her experiences. Uh, Linda Zinnerman is always a great researcher. Uh, I'm sure you've interviewed her. Oh, who? I'm sorry? Linda, Linda? Zimmerman. Oh yeah, she's she was on recently. She is one heck of a woman. Oh yeah, that's she's wonderful. Wonderful person. She's amazing. Yeah. Great researcher. So she'll be talking about really strange cases in New York. Uh, Lori Rayfield is exciting because she was an army major who had a sighting at Rendlesham before the big sighting. Oh uh, wow. A, yeah. So she's going to talk about that. And I did check with Hulk, you know, he says she's a real deal. MJ Benias, a uh, journalist who's been writing great articles lately. Uh, I've interviewed him a few times. You have too, I think. Um, Stacy and Marianne, these guys are exciting because Stacy is the Phoenix MUFON person. Uh, she's in charge. She's the state director for all of Arizona. Uh, you know, they're the ones who have allowed me to post those videos that you got to watch this week. Marianne's a local police officer and also a field investigator. So they're going to talk about MUFON investigations. Um, they're also going to be the two UFO chicks with with uh, Karen, dude, and they're super funny. That's going to be a lot of they're fun. They're great. They're great. Nick yeah. Pope. Everybody knows Nick Pope, but that's always good. Uh, Rebecca Hardcastle, another one helping with that experiencer panels, and she'll be doing some talks. Uh, you've had Selma Siddiq on, and Ryan Wonderful. Sprague was saying Siddiq. Is it Siddiq or Siddiq? Do you know? She has told me Siddiq. Siddiq. That's what I thought. Yeah. Because uh, I saw your interview. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's one of the witnesses to the Ruwai counter, an incredible, uh, you know, a lot of people love this case where these kids saw a UFO in the 90s with a, apparently a being came out of it and they had some very Three. strange yeah. Three relation. Beings. Yeah. Tom Winterton, he's the superintendent at Skinwalker Ranch, also on that Skinwalker Ranch television show. Um, Timothy Brigham, I'm excited for him. 
he works in the biomedical industry, but he's talking about kind of the psychology of UFOs and bringing in some of the Jungian stuff. And of course, I have a degree in psychology. And so I'm really fascinated by his talk. Travis Taylor, who's got several degrees, uh, also one of the Skinwalker scientists, but he's done a lot of television shows. And he's going to do a talk on a book he wrote on how we would defend ourselves against aliens should they attack. It's a very technical kind of war college type of stuff. And he told me recently he's briefed like several different government agencies, including the Space Force, on this lecture that really? he's going to be giving us. Yeah. Isn't that and interesting? And then, of course, Travis Walton. So a lot of really great things. And the cool thing about um, the tool is you really got to buy your tickets now. So like I said, go to Open Minds um, and you can get a discount. And the reason I say that is right now you can get into the app when you get your tickets. And there's already people interacting because it's like a forum. There's all kinds of chats going on. There are vendors already in there. So you could go look at these different vendors and communicate with them. You can communicate with speakers. And so there's all this conversation already going on. So you could get to know people and it'll be fun because when the conference starts, there'll be more people in there. So there's going to be a lot of online conversation and the type of thing that you and I are doing right now, where we're able to kind of talk with, um, you know, the people in the chat right now. In fact, we'll stop ignoring them and talk to them a little more, although I don't know what the heck's going on in there. Dirk is saying, whenever I roll in maple syrup, metal objects stick to me too. <laughs> well, I was yeah. thinking that woman has, you know, a very magnetic personality. Is that what that is? Ha, ah, that's a cute one too. Uh, this sorry. is gas mask. He says, yeah. time travel is very unlikely. The whole universe is moving at a very high speed, however, slowing time by being a warp bubble seems possible as alien craft seem to do. Oh, he's talking about how it might not be people from the future. Sonia is like, well, what if it's people from the future? Could be Sonia. There may be um, more to it. New nerds rule the world. Hi, Martin. Hi, Alejandro. Hi, Mary. That was Mary. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, lots of good stuff there. Uh, Bim Jim says he found another Skinwalker ranch near his home. Now, are you being serious? Because you're kind of I a jokester. Usually there's a punchline. Well, yeah, he said he went through portals. So Yeah, there's always yeah, a punchline with Bim yeah. Jim. He is funny, though, I got to say. He hesitated, yeah. yeah. Mary says high iron content in her blood. I was thinking that, too. So I'm not sure. We'll have to see her lecture. I And you know what? Obviously, you guys are skeptical, and I love that. I yeah, love you know, that. I, have, I love you guys. I have, I have, uh, I have uh, something that was called. I can't remember because it was so long ago. I can't wear wind-up watches. I have magnetic watch. Yep, the watches always stop. I'm not. I'm not making that up. I believe you, but it means yeah. that there's something really weird about you. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a little kid, I got my first watch. I was all excited and I thought it was broken. And, uh, you know, you take it off and it starts to work. Huh. So I don't know. Who is the lecturer, uh, MJ Benias, and what is the topic of his dis discussion? Let me go get that because I don't remember the details. So I'm going to look that up. But he lives in while, Canada. I'm, while I'm looking that up, yeah, tell them about MJ. 
Yeah. Uh, from what I, you know, I've had him on my show a number of times and, and he's a great uh, young guy, journalist. He writes for, I want to say the wire. Is that one of the places he writes for? Uh, I the Vice. I know. Vice, that's for. right. I'm sorry. I get those two. Maybe even reason. popular mechanics. Yeah. Popular mechanics uh, article he wrote there. So he's getting his name out there and he, he, uh, he's also has a book. Um, I believe at least one book, uh, and he's got a good sense of humor and he's uh, well-spoken. He's always a great guest. So, uh, that'll be, a, a that should be good at the conference. I feel like I was one of the first to interview him. He's also a skeptic. Um, but as you all know, I, uh, appreciate skeptics. He's I a healthy skeptic. He's a healthy skeptic. I agree. And I think he's a good researcher. I think his stories have the articles he's been, he's written have been really good. Um, I'm going to share this with people. So I'm glad you brought him up because he's one of the people. And I got to say this about the Congress, uh, the Congress were known for kind of vetting people. So often we may have people you've never heard of at the Congress. But if we're having them, it means we know they have something really good to share. And certainly MJ is that. For those of you listening to podcasts, you've heard me interview MJ at least a couple times. And in fact, I'm going to interview him again soon because I think he has a lot of great stuff to say. But his lecture is called The Subtle Art of Hacking UFOs, Why UFOs May Be a Moonshot. And he wrote an article about this, too, that was really great, got a lot of attention. The way he describes this is UFO incidents involving the U.S. Navy and unidentified incursions into American airspace have left us wondering what is going on. Putting aside the Hollywood alien tropes and often silly government conspiracies aside, told you he's a skeptic, we are left with an irrefutable issue. Something is up there and enjoying free reign over sovereign airspace. For a handful of scientists and entrepreneurs, that something is worth investigating. Is this contemporary quest to investigate UAP a possible source for a, a for novel ideas and technology innovation? Um, really interesting, and I think he's any scientific endeavor typically has offshoots of technology that's discovered. Uh, when their new technology needs to be developed that is used for something else. So I think, it, you know, his question, for instance, that uh, when it comes to, let's say, Skyhub or our buddy Mark D'Antonio is working on a similar, because Skyhub's, I, I know, something he's covering, which is similar to what our friend Mark D'Antonio has been working on with, for years with, with Douglas Trumbull. That's the, um, the it used special to be called UFOTOG, but I don't know what yeah. it is. Yeah, I thought it's. Oh, yeah, they changed the name. But essentially, it it's getting these cameras and building these camera devices that can detect, you know, radiation and other sorts of stuff so that hopefully you can capture a UFO sighting and then also have other telemetry to tell you about how it may have affected the area. Um, hmm. And oh, I know, know Mark has huh. said that they have had to go to different companies and develop special circuitry for the devices that they want to work on. And luckily Douglas Trumbull uh, has a great relationship with corporations because he's like a legend. And so they can do that sort of thing. They can go to Sony and say, well, here's what we need that chip to do. And then they'll actually work on developing, a, a, you know, the technology that they need. 
Um, so I think that's a great, a great concept that our search for aliens, and when it comes to SETI, maybe this has already happened, might inspire technology that we could use elsewhere um, in society. So uh, yeah, really interesting and uh, talk. Yeah. So that's that's all about MJ Benayas for who asked that question? It was uh, who did that? It was Sonia. I think. No. It was Simone. Oh, She's been in a lot S. of discussions lately right. too. Simone. So great question. I love talking about MJ. I think he's. Uh, I'm a big fan of MJ and his work. Um, Rodrigo says, Benias is a level-headed researcher with good insights on the topic. I agree. For some reason, Iron Man is being in the discussion here. Talking about uh, blood, magnetic blood. Oh, because they have iron in their blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's going to be a great one. So Simone's going to be there to watch uh, MJ. I'm a big fan of MJ's. Um, I think that... He often frustrates a lot of people in the UFO community because he is a skeptic, but I totally embrace skeptics and skepticism because, you know, we have to uh, really, I think, um, beat up our work. That's what science is all about. You look for the null hypothesis. In other words, as a scientist, you're supposed to work as hard as anybody else in debunking your own theories. Exactly. Because if you can't do it, that means you've really got something. So we should be engaged in the process of debunking our own ideas on a regular basis. Uh, that's why I love criticism, constructive criticism, or people, if they have some evidence to show I'm wrong on something, that's great. That just means I'm discovering something new. Um, but it's just a problem is I'm rarely wrong. <laughs> oh, I like this one, MJ12 Benias. Yes. MJ12 Benias, that's cute. Yeah, Karen would not agree with that statement about me not being wrong. <laughs> hmm. And then people talking about some charlatans or people making a lot of money on stuff, some of which, I don't know, some people I think make some money incidentally, but certainly you got to be careful in this field because there are a lot of people who will make wild claims in order to make money. But I got to say for the Congress, you know, my thing is science. My, you know, I love the science. I love the credible. I love the, the, the substantiated stuff. The fringe stuff I don't pay as much attention to because it's tougher to um, substantiate. But uh, the UFO Congress has always been kind of populist. It covers the field as a whole. And even though we do bring speakers that are more fringe, of course, it's not my conference nor has it ever been, even though I do a lot of running it, I don't have final say. Um, so, but regardless, what I can help do is make sure that the people that we have are not lying. They, they don't believe, we do not believe them to be faking things. And in some instances in which we've caught speakers we've invited lying, I've been one of the first to come out and say so. And to be honest, I'll even tell you a couple of those cases. Stan Romanek, someone I knew very well, case yeah. that I covered, he's lied. I've been very out about the things he's lied about. Yeah. The other one. I asked you about that just, just to, I'm going to back you up because 
um, when I first started looking into this and you and I first connected, um, I can't remember exactly when, 2012, 13, something like that. When you and I first connected, I had a conversation with you because I saw something where you and him were friends. I said, do you really b believe in, you know, this This had the alien to the window and stuff like that? And uh, you had already turned the corner at that point. I said, yeah. You know, and someone's mentioned you're in his movie, so it must be hard. And it is because the people who made the movie are some friends of mine, too. Um, and I do. There are family members of his that are really good friends of mine who I really care about and I think are good people. Um, but the filmmakers, I got to say, even though they're buddies, the filmmakers told me that that was going to be a, a film that was going to look at all sides and be unbiased. I don't agree that's what the film turned out to be. I think the film was biased towards him being a, the, a real, you know, and I I don't agree with that. I think that they should have been more journalistic and shown all the sides. And they didn't even include some of the lying and stuff that he was caught in. Um, I even think I even said that in my interview, the lies that, that I caught him in. Um, so that's unfortunate. The other was, and I got it, to, you know, it's Ken, what's his name? We even have an article on it. Better get the name right. <laughs> I know, because I'm a about to disparage while you're doing that i'm gonna say i don't think there's anyone that's um done any type of spoofing out there that could ever top one person in particular and that is the creator of the alien autopsy film ray centilli i think yeah. i don't think anyone's made more money uh by doing wrong in this field than than he has uh yeah that's, fake. that's a fake video by the way a spoiler alert yeah. And there are a lot of people in the chat right now talking about secure team, which is complete fake and yep. how they make a lot of money. Um, and you guys are right. You know, third Corey phase of the moon. Good, yep. Third phase of the moon, Corey good, jo Dr. Jonathan Reed. Um, you guys are bringing up some names of people. And usually I don't name the fraudsters, but you're bringing up names that you're right. And unfortunately in this field, and that's what's kind of frustrating at times um, if you make up a crazy story, and I said this in a recent interview regarding good, when they asked me, there's this comedian, um, Chrissy Mayer. I was on her show. You should go check it out if you get a chance. I tweeted it. But she asked me about good, and I was like, well, these guys and, and Wilcox, they're, they're not trustworthy. And we do have this problem in this field. If you come up with a crazy story, people are going to believe you. And the crazier you get and the more confidence you have in, in saying this is what happened to me, the more money you're going to make, the more. And the uh, more people will believe you. Yeah. And so unfortunately, that's the way the field, that's the way things work. People like the crazy and they're going to gravitate towards, towards the crazy and they're going to like that more than the substantial stuff. I know my niche is small. There's a small amount of people who actually want credible information regarding UFOs and extraterrestrials uh, light uh, because it's not as exciting. All I can say is I don't know, but here's some exciting, what I think is exciting research in the area. But if I would have come out and say, oh yeah, they're real for sure, you know, people would love that and you can make more money that way. Unfortunately, that's the way it is. Okay, we have go I'm going to answer just quickly on insights on uh, Dr. Stephen Greer, that's your question. And all I'll say about him is he started out on, on the right foot and, and things changed. That's, that's as far as I would comment on that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know, the Phoenix Ice person I was talking about earlier was Dr. Greer, but yeah, it is unfortunate. Yeah, because he was involved like with the Rockefeller document that we have posted at openminds.tv where Lawrence Rockefeller funded this document from the best cases. Um, but um, kind of to wrap up here, I guess, uh, yeah, we did have this Ken Johnson who called him, said he had a PhD um, and I did some investigating on that and found that completely to be false. I called it his PhD confusion, giving him the benefit of the doubt, but I followed up on in the institutions he claimed to have this PhD at. I also worked with a guy uh, named um, um, James Oberg, who's a real space uh, journalist who luckily uh, often, or at least used to follow open minds. And uh, he has done a lot of work on this, but yeah, he's not a PhD. He's not an astronaut. I have a blue jumpsuit like that, that I got from space camp and his is very similar. I think it is a space camp jumpsuit. He always has that jumpsuit and lots of people say he's a former astronaut. Not true. He was a contractor for the Apollo project. So he did work on, with NASA, um, but he's not a NASA astronaut or a PhD. Uh, you really got to, I, I put some links in there. Before you take Ken Johnson, I get people asking me to this day quite often, before you take him too seriously, you know, check out this article that I have on the UFO Congress website. I also have it on Open Minds. But uh, well, essentially, he looks, like a, he looks like a former astronaut. So that's close enough. I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. Mm. Close enough. Right. People are like, name and shame, name and shame. It's hard. Um, yeah. to do that. You're laughing because you're like, yeah, let's get these guys. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for the show. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? No, but I agree with Dur Dirk Bone Still, whatever his name is down at the bottom. Yeah, yes. Dirk Bone I know what I was saying. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I mean, even back in the beginning, though, Greer was troublesome. Um I've shared the whole story. I need to share it some more, but, uh, Hey, did you, ever, did you get a chance to watch the Berkshires UFO? No, not yet. Oh, I know you were thinking about watching it the other night. It is, it is really good. It's a real good. I recommend that to anyone out there who hasn't watched it yet. It's on Netflix. If you have that capability to watch it's it, one it's one of the really worth new it. unsolved mysteries, right? That's right. Yep. Episode yep. five. Yeah. But until then, your homework, people, is as soon as we're done here, uh, as soon as you hit the join button on YouTube right here, <laughs> and then you got to go to the UFO Congress website and get your tickets. Uh, pass by the open on your way. Take a left and uh, take a short stop at openminds.tv because you can get that coupon code there. I think it's OM40. But check that out and then head on over to ufocongress.com and get your tickets now because you're going to be able to get in there and start interacting with speakers, with other people in the community. There's like all kinds of people having chats and conversations and having a good old time in there. So head on over and do that. So you can start your Congress experience right now. Um, and then we've got all of these great speakers we just talked about that will be speaking there. So... Um, and thank you all for joining. Rodrigo says, adios chicos. But of course, my sign off will be in just a second. 
But um, thank you all for joining us in the chat. Martin? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Go check out Martin's podcast, UFO. He's always got some cool stuff going on there. Um, also, I want to have a shout out to Something in the Skies, Ryan Sprague, always a good friend. Love him. Uh, I'm on his podcast that he, I think, will be posting today. So uh, go check out Something in the Skies this week or go check it out all the time. Um, and other than that, I guess that's about it. Well, can uh, I make one quick, quick little thing? Sure, yeah. definitely. Thank you. So normally my shows are live on Tuesday nights, but uh, I had to work with Paul Dean uh, because he's in Australia. So it's actually going to be Sunday this week. So check it out on my YouTube channel live. It's not on KGRA Radio Live. On Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, I'm going to be on with Paul Dean if you want to watch that live on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you, Mr. Martin, for your help on the show again. You bet. And thank you all guys for listening and watching. And until next time, adios. adios. Muchachos. I don't know that you're improving on that. I'm not. I'm